morning crypto. We're not finished. And in fact, in our business, what's interesting is the wirehouses, which dominate our customers. So Morgan Stanley, all the advisors at these wirehouses, Morgan Stanley, UBS, Merrill Lynch at B of A, Wells Fargo, not one of them has approved Bitcoin on its platform. That hasn't even happened yet. And those are our primary clients. When that happens, wait yep. until you see. Explosion. We're not finished. And in fact, good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from a top crypto research team in the world. And Johnny Crypto, we're starting this episode off with some bullish news on this. Oh, and we just lost your camera, my friend. I don't know if we still have your audio. Let's test your audio really quickly. Can you hear me there, buddy? Yeah, we can hear you. All so right. let's do your introduction, say what you got to say, and then we'll fix your camera right after. All right. Yeah, well, first of all, yeah, good morning, Warrior Maniacs. Uh, it's great to always uh, be here at Abs every single day with all the great warriors who are here. And it is awesome to hear Kathy Wood saying that we're just getting started. I just wish I could see you guys. So uh, <laughs> I have to reboot and see what's going on. I'll be Don't right worry back. about it, Johnny. I got a great video prepared and we're going to skip. We'll come back to the Kathy Woods news. But Johnny, drop off, fix your camera, do what you got to do. We already got 276 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And this is something I found very interesting for today's episode. We're about to witness a supply shock when it comes to Bitcoin. And last night, we closed the margin, the largest monthly candle in the history of Bitcoin, surpassing a $20,000 monthly candle. And what am I seeing here? A correspondence between 2021 and 2024. Now, people are wondering. We're looking at some of our favorite altcoins like XRP is $0.59. Cents. We got Solana, which pumped to 130 Ethereum and Bitcoin have continued to dominate. But when I look at some of the projects like AVAX, Chainlink, Polkadot, Matic, these large altcoins are yet to see a huge influx of liquidity, and I think that could be coming very, very soon. Let's listen to what Raul Paul had to say on this exact topic and discuss it. Here we go. I think people underestimate just how degenerate these TradFi guys are. And once they come in through the Bitcoin ETF, and once they get a taste for this market, wait until they find out about meme coins and altcoins and NFTs. And that real liquidity comes in. I think that uh, there's going to be just an unexpected boom in capital. And that's going to flow through that same cycle that we talked about before. And what I love about this topic right here is something that I pointed out yesterday. And Johnny, I see your back, so that's perfect. Something that we talked about yesterday is just comparing some of our favorite altcoins market caps to Bitcoin and Ethereum. XRP is only a $32 billion project. And for the longest time, that seemed like a really big number, right? 28 billion in 2022 seemed like a huge market cap when it came to XRP. Well, now we're comparing it to Bitcoin, which is 1.2 trillion in total market cap. Ethereum, 400 billion in total market cap. Even Solana is almost double the market cap of XRP. That means XRP could do a 12x, Johnny, and still be significantly below where Ethereum is today. A lot of people, that, that gets them upset. To me, it screams opportunity. And I know you may have missed that clip that I played from Raul Paul. We just broke this down as well. Bitcoin closed the largest monthly candle in the history of its price chart just last night, a $20,000 monthly candle. Meaning if you put $40,000 into this market, you now have $60,000 in only four weeks. Those type of returns are unheard of. So we got a bunch of great articles to get into. How are you feeling this morning? Let's test your audio out. Thanks for being here. 
Oh, we just lost him once again. <laughs> this is unbelievable, guys, and it's honestly kind of funny at this point. If you're enjoying this content, we're going to go through some exciting articles, so bear with me here. Don't worry. We'll get Johnny Crypto back on this show. We're si- What I was going to roll into after Johnny's comments was an article how Van Eyck, or sorry, Vanguard, one of the final financial firms to not approve a Bitcoin product, well, their CEO is retiring, or at least leaving the firm as of last night. Many people are corresponding this to him not approving the Bitcoin product and thousands of clients being frustrated with his leadership. So Tim Buckley, the Vanguard CEO, who under his watch, the giant asset manager shunned spot Bitcoin ETFs and will retire this year. And a search is underway for his replacement as of last night. While other major U.S. financial institutions have embraced the recently approved Bitcoin ETFs, Vanguard has stood out for not allowing its brokerage customers to do so. The Thursday announcement of Buckley's impending departure had some wondering on social media whether this had something to do with that stance. So I'm going to go to the live chat since I don't even have Johnny Crypto here, guys. Let me know in the live chat if you think this has to do with his departure. First of all, this guy, he's been here for a very long time. Vanguard CEO, prominent, long history in corporate America. So people are stating on like the mainstream news channels. I read a CNBC article. They drew no correspondence to his denial of the Bitcoin products. I think it definitely has something to do with it. So whether it even needs to bother, whether it's worth asking the question, a Bloomberg analyst, James Safert, noted one of Vanguard's ETFs, VOO, which tracks the S&P index, has attracted $15.7 billion in new money so far this year, which is double what BlackRock spot ETF, IBTC, had collected. Very interesting. It just goes to show how much big money is, is really moving through this market right now. And let's go to Bitcoin's price chart while I talk about the Kathy Wood video, because I don't want to skip past that while we get Johnny Crypto connected here. Bitcoin's doing something we've never seen before. We're not only approaching the, the our all-time high well before the halving, we've shot through our major zones of resistance, passing through the 618. We've got some really interesting stuff happening on the price chart. Let's check it out right here. Just give me a second for it to load. So looking at Bitcoin overall, there's only a couple levels of trading above where we are today. And look at where we're sitting at. We are sitting at one of our peaks when it came to the 2021 price chart for Bitcoin. It's been parabolic, nothing but upward momentum. And it's just math that explains this here. So let me tell you what's happening. Right now, there's only 450 Bitcoin being produced every single day through, or sorry, there's only 900 Bitcoin being produced every single day through the mining process. Well, there's over 10 billion Bitcoin. Sorry, there's over 10,000 Bitcoin being purchased off the open market. 900 being produced. 10,000 being bought per day. So what we're seeing here is just a supply shock. Even these exchanges, they can't even handle the amount of liquidity. That's what happened with Coinbase earlier this week. So we appreciate you guys for bearing with me here. I'm going to take a moment and get Johnny connected. But while I do, I'm going to play a 30-second video here from Hester Pierce. This is Hester Pierce out of ETH Denver discussing how regulations gone in the U.S. so far. And trust me, I've got some great articles to go over with HBAR as well. We've got some Bitcoin news, another Coinbase analysis when it comes to exchanges going down, as well as regulation going on. So we're going to start off with this video right here. This is Kathy Wood. Sorry, Hester Pierce discussing U.S. regulation right now. Um, But, you know, the the whole concept of decentralization stands very much in contrast to what we're using, which is we have a centralized entity that we can grab hold of. And when you have just people working together and you have someone interacting with code instead of with a person or an entity, it's a real challenge for the SEC to figure out what to do with that. Yeah. As I read it, 
what it said is you better centralize, you better get out of the U.S., or if you don't want to do either of those, you can shut down. Those are your options. Johnny, that's the current state of U.S. regulation. We got countries around the world adopting crypto assets. You're muted right now, so unmute yourself, test your audio. I just want to see if you'll stay connected here. Let's try it out. Can you hear me? Let's see if we stay testing, testing. Is that working? Go ahead. Floor is yours, my friend. What's on your mind? Yeah, so I kind of caught the tail end of that abs. All I heard was something about <laughs> either get out, shut down, or get out. Is is that what she said? What is that? How we're you know what we'll it? do though? You know what? Just because you missed some of the most important articles for today, let's see if we now that we have you connected. Let's just touch a couple of the topics that I went through. We're gonna start off with the Scott Melker video, and I apologize for many of our listeners. This usually this has never happened before. If anybody has issues, it's typically my computer. So shout out to the Johnny Crypto fans out there. It's your day. But here we go, guys. Here's Scott Melker and Raul Paul talking about how altcoins are next after Bitcoin massive supply shock. I think people underestimate just how degenerate these TradFi guys are. And once they come in through the Bitcoin ETF and once they get a taste for this market, wait until they find out about meme coins and altcoins and NFTs. And that real liquidity comes in. I think that uh, there's going to be just an unexpected boom in capital. And that's going to flow through that same cycle that we talked about before. Everybody's been through that cycle. You have, I have, everybody. Is you come in on Bitcoin and then you walk into the candy store and it's like, holy shit, this is the best thing I've ever. So on a serious note, Johnny, because I played this earlier in the show, what we're seeing right now is a supply shock when it comes to Bitcoin. There's 900 Bitcoin being produced every day and 10,000 being bought off the open market. I just want to know, first of all, is your computer working fine? Like, have you figured out the connection issues? I rebooted, so we'll see what happens. Let's so we should like be good, right? Looks okay. like we're stable. Don't jinx it. Don't I jinx won't it. jinx it. Trust <laughs> me. So what we're seeing right now is institutional investors have access to these to, to these technologies. BlackRock's advocating for a 28% portfolio allocation. We're seeing 10,000 Bitcoin being bought off the open market every single day. And there's only 900 being produced. The supply shock that we're going to see after the halving should only double what we're witnessing today. People buying Bitcoin, holding it on their balance sheets, and it's inevitable that some of that liquidity is going to flood into altcoins. That's what Scott Melker and Raul Paul were talking about during this podcast. And Scott said this, I think people underestimate just how degenerate these TradFi guys are. That's pretty much a funny way of saying they'll do anything to make money. When they see the crypto markets pumping and volatility creating opportunity, they're going to quickly step in and take advantage of that. So what's your biggest takeaway for altcoins now that we're watching Bitcoin approach its all-time high? Well, you know, he's 100% spot on. We all do that. Like, I remember when I first got into Sirius XM Radio, just to give an example. I got on because I wanted to watch, you know, listen to Howard Stern at the time. I was a Howard Stern fan, right? You know what happened, Abs? Next thing you know, I'm listening to all these other channels. And not only listen to Howard Stern, <laughs> I use satellite radio for all these other channels. It's the perfect analogy. It's just how life works. And the same thing's going to happen. People are going to come here. They're going to hear about Bitcoin. They're going to hear about crypto. And they're going to think that crypto, at first, listen to me, most people are going to think Bitcoin is crypto. That's it. They're going to be like, oh, crypto is Bitcoin. And then they're going to be like, oh, wait a minute. It's not just about, it's about Bitcoin's a, a good piece of crypto. But then there's all this other stuff. What is all this stuff? That's question number one. And question number two, they're like, all right, I got to start getting into this. And they're going to start spreading their wings into everything. Just like he said, being in a candy shop. That's exactly what's going to happen here in terms of people flooding into the space. That's why when all the past year and a half or two years, 
that you and I have been talking about Bitcoin and the importance to crypto and everybody in the chat who's, you know, who's anti-maxi and we're not maxis either, right? By any means. But anybody who's not was been bashing us. Like, oh, why are you talking Bitcoin? The reason why you talk Bitcoin is because Bitcoin's the door. Bitcoin's the freaking gateway to get everybody into the rest of the space. And then when people flood into the rest of the space, you see that big green kid you got there? You're going to see those on the altcoin market. And then everybody's gonna be like, oh, now I know why Johnny wanted Bitcoin to pump. Yeah, because Bitcoin brings other people to the party. And that's what we want. More people in the party means more money. More money means a higher price. Higher price means you get to sell and maybe enjoy your life somewhere. And that's the, uh, that's the value of having a trading portfolio versus a long-term portfolio, Johnny. Some of these projects, and let's just go through a couple of them before we continue with our articles. Some of these lower cap tokens, like what was a good one that we broke down? Fetch AI is a token that we were talking about. This token just randomly pumped because we're getting massive waves of liquidity. It's up 20% on the daily chart. It's a $1.5 billion project. And this is another one I want our listeners to keep an eye on. Quant Network, it, we called this out a couple of days ago. Look, it's already moving. It's at $118 right now. Now, this project I am seeing in a ton of trading portfolios, trading groups. Everybody's talking about Quant Network's price chart from a pers trading perspective. They're not even saying, oh, it's such a great project. They're saying, look at the price chart. This thing looks ready to move. I wanted to warn our listeners about that as well. So tons of opportunity here. One last project I think is worthy of going over is Rose. So Oasis Network, this is a project that has connections to Meta and it's another $1 billion project. It's in the AI slash gaming and metaverse space. Very, very opportunistic when I look at it from a price chart perspective and it's already moved dramatically. So I'm not advocating for even buying these. I'm just saying, keep your eye out. There's tons of opportunities in this market and having 20, 30, 50, $100 in some of these low caps, Johnny, that's how you find a 10X, right? Some of your most successful buys have been projects that maybe weren't a certainty, but they were low caps with big opportunities. You found some great connections and you were able to make some money. We already got 474 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Johnny, think about this really quick. We saw Bitcoin put a $20,000 candle in, in a four-week period. That's how quickly this environment can change. And I'm always confused when I think about altcoins versus Bitcoin. How much liquidity will it take to change the, the people who have altcoins, what's it going to take for them to be satisfied, right? I can't tell if you're looking at me in the live chat right now. Are you, are you? I'm listening. No. So when I'm looking at altcoins in particular, it only takes 10% of the liquidity to move most of these projects. If we look at a project like Rose, which is sitting at a billion in market cap, that is less than a hundredth. That is less than a thousandth of what Bitcoin is today. So just 12 billion flooding into the market, moving into a project based off a trading opportunity and then moving out on the back end. That's what's going to happen for the majority of the market. And I just wanted you to address that, Fleur Jars. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how the markets have worked. But remember, Abs, what have I been saying now for the past three, four, five months, maybe even longer, is I think the game has changed. Uh, you know, I, I mean, the reality is I think you have to expect the unexpected. We have the big boys now playing in a space that they've never played before. And if you saw it the other day, just go look at BC Backer's tweet. He was like, oh, my God, we have three new things that we've never seen before. And that is what I've been trying to say on this show for a while. Is I've always thought this game was going to be a little different. Things I didn't know how, what was going to change, how it was going, but I knew it would be different because you now have a Bitcoin ETF for the first time ever in the life of, B, of, of Bitcoin. We've never had that before. We've had all these other bull runs being you know run by different players, but now 
it's a whole new ball game. You have the big boys here, and they are not going to let you. It's just not going to be as simple anymore. They, 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 the manipulation will be different. What you expect will happen probably won't happen. It'll be the opposite of what you think in the whole nine yards. So for me, I, I don't really. I just know. Here's what I believe: is I believe we're at the beginning of something big. I believe we don't have a clue. You can't look at the old historical charts and assume the same exact thing is going to happen. I mean, you could use it as guidance and, and track to see how it compares. That's what I'll be doing. But I'm not expecting it. I'm tracking it, but I'm not expecting it. That's the difference. And you just sit back, put that seatbelt on, strap it on. They're going to start pumping this son bitch up, and we just go for the ride, and we see where it goes. That's the bottom line, man. We are, we are in new, uncharted territories right now with Bitcoin in the crypto space. Kathy Woods just told you, she said, Maryland, Goldman Sachs, none of the big boys even are ready to play with Bitcoin yet. Wait till when they start flooding money into this space. We're not finished. And in fact, in our business, what's interesting is the wirehouses, which dominate our customers. So Morgan Stanley, all the advisors at these wirehouses, Morgan Stanley, UBS, Merrill Lynch at B of A. Wells Fargo, not one of them has approved Bitcoin on its platform. That hasn't even happened yet. And those are our primary clients. When yeah. that happens, wait yep. until you see. Explosion. 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 There's the explosion. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Forget a pump. I was. I thought they were going to pump it up. They're going to blow it up. They're going to yep. blow this so much up. Like they've never blown up before. Oh, and think about this too, Johnny. The most, uh, This is what I'm like excited about when I look at the Bitcoin price chart. When we're seeing a $20,000 monthly candle before the halving, that is unheard of. Historically, we've never seen anything even similar to that, which tells me about the supply shock. I think it really is as simple as supply and demand. Let me break down one other thing. Think about this, Johnny. I want to have a conversation about this. We got 535 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Welcome to Storytime with Johnny Crypto. Today, we're talking about Bitcoin spot ETFs. And think about this in particular. Of the 11 ETF products that exist today, none of those banks can custody the crypto themselves. And eight of them are using Coinbase. What did we witness just a couple of days ago? And I can't remember if we addressed this together or not, but Coinbase went down because they saw a rapid influx of um, demand. Yeah. So they said that they could only handle 10 times their average demand. And they saw well beyond that when this went down. Now they were able to fix it after a couple of hours, but like cousin Vinny said, many of their companies, many people who use these accounts, their displays were showing zero, absolutely zero. That is shocking for somebody who thinks they're getting into a decentralized asset, moving away from the banking system. Unless it's sitting on a ledger, you're not going to have that safety. And this is why I talk about exchanges being like a highway. And I want to give a shout out to Alex Cobb for this analogy. If you park your car on the highway, you're asking for a disaster, right? Even if you get you, even if you park your car on the highway and somehow you manage to sleep there overnight and everything's okay, you got lucky. And that's how I kind of look at exchanges. If you're going to leave more than 10,000, or let's just say 20% of your portfolio on an exchange, you're leaving yourself in a major, major risky situation. But what I was actually getting at with that question, Johnny, is think about this. Banks aren't even centralizing Bitcoin. Exchanges are. Coinbase controls all the ETF volatility right now. So right. all of these ETFs, if they're buying and selling, they're doing it through Coinbase or at least eight of the 11. What are your thoughts on that? Well, we knew it, right? You saw, we, we all knew this was coming. I mean, as we were prepping to get for the, for the BTC launch, BTC ETF launch, sorry. Uh, the SEC said, you know, you have to have 
somebody custody this. And they said that Coinbase was, they were all pointing to Coinbase as the partner to do that. That's why I love, you know, loved investing. That's why, you know, everybody talks about utility. Well, Coinbase has utility. If you want to invest in crypto, coin is something you should have in your portfolio, right? Because at the end of the day, it's providing real world utility. Not only is it an exchange and they also want to be a bank and learning protocol, they're also providing the liquidity for Bitcoin for all the ETFs. So that that's a massive role in, in bro. We're just big, they're just getting started, you know, and forget that they crashed at 10x uh of a volume that they had coming in of people trying to use their website. They better start getting more service hooked up because they're gonna get a lot more than 10x when Kathy Woods, you know, those other 11. A uh, company she then not eleven, but what was it eight? Yeah. Boys, when they start bringing it in, even more masses are going to come in. I mean, dude, this is the beauty of when you're here, extremely early, and stick around to the end of the show because we're excited about all this, and we got a little dance party we're going to share with you. So make sure you stick around to the end. So, do you think it bothers people, or are they just excited about making money? Because that's what I'm wondering. Like everybody who got into Bitcoin originally was talking about moving away from these companies. Well, now look at this. Coinbase is serving as the custodian for eight of the new Bitcoin entrants, including BlackRock. They've got iShares. They've got Bitwise. They've got Grayscale. So the biggest companies are using Coinbase. And what happened just the other day? Volatility caused the Coinbase exchange to crash. Is that a concern to you? No. Well, for me, it's not because I expected it. See, I was here in the 2021 bull run. Anybody else in this chat room was in the 2021 bull run, they know that when things start to go euphoric, all the exchanges shut down apps. They all crash. You know it. I know it. Kraken shuts down. Coinbase goes. They all go down. Why? Because that shows you. Again, I'm in technology, so I get it. That just shows you how early we are to this industry, where this industry is not even set up yet to have the proper infrastructure to be able to handle the masses and flood of people that come in at one time. It can't handle it yet. You know, you go to your E-Trade account, that doesn't happen. You go to your Ameritrade account, that doesn't happen. You go to Charles Schwab account, that doesn't happen. Why? Because they've been around for a freaking 100 years. You know, E-Trade's around 20, 30 years. They're already past the utility development stage. They're already in the S-curve that I keep talking to you about in the adoption stage, right? Everything's fully mature. The technology works. It's it's guaranteed. It's trusted. It's, it's vetted. It's been fixed, okay? Crypto isn't there yet, bro. We're at the beginning of the S-curve. This is what I've been trying to say to people. The technology can't even handle people going to the site and selling. We're not ready. That's just how early we are in the game. So I don't get upset because I know it. I understand it. But here's what you need to know. That's why we invented this. If you have Merlin, what you're doing with Merlin is as things are going up, you're selling on the way up. Before that, you fork some of your bags. You're selling on the way before you even get to that euphoric stage where everything shuts down. So when things shut down, I don't care because I've already sold some of my bags. I've already taken some profit. And that's why you click on the link below. You get a free 30-day trial. You get to try it out, set up your exit plan. When your alerts go off, you sell a little bit here, you sell a little bit there on the way up. When you get to the very top, yeah, you're all gonna, we're all going to be in the same boat. You're not going to be able to sell. It doesn't matter because I've already taken some profits on the way. For example, we're at 60, you know, we were at 63 or 64 when it crashed. But I've already sold at two other points on the way to get there. So who cares, right? That's the beauty of having an exit plan. And so make sure you uh, you try it out. Free 30 days. You got nothing to lose. I think for people who are trying to make sure they can put some profit. And remember, like you always talk about apps. An exit plan doesn't mean you sell everything. It's a strategy to just sell some little pieces. 
so you can put some profit. I often tell people even because a lot of my friends are like, well, why would I do it? And I say sell 2% because if you never yeah. hit – if this is why. If you never hit the sell button before the bull market, it's going to be that much more difficult during the bull run. So we're going to shift into a video right now, and I'm very excited to break this down because I've got two videos that we're going to tie together. Can you remove that for me, Roto? Yeah. Um, the two videos that we're going to talk about because I don't think we got to break this down earlier this week together, Johnny. Did we? Did we talk about this video in particular? I don't. Well, I mean, I know I tweeted it out, dude. I tweeted this thing out. And it got massive views. Uh, I don't know if we talked it together though, but yeah, this was this was the the German dude about uh, XRP. So what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna tie a video from Brad Garlinghouse speaking at Davos to the video that we saw from the German man today. But I'd actually like to start with the German video because I find this one to be more exciting. A lot of people are interested in this. Thirty seconds here. Here we go. Wie groß ist der Druck auf die Zentralbanken? CDBCs zu implementieren, der zeitliche Druck, so schnell wie möglich etwas zu tun gegen diesen drohenden Kollaps. Und äh, da wird man natürlich auf das zurückgreifen, was da ist. Ripple ist da mit seinem Angebot. Und wenn die Zeit für Ripple spielt, dann kann äh, Ripple durchaus die World Reserve Bridge Currency werden. So you saw it yourself, and I don't think a lot of people understand German, so I'll give a brief breakdown here. What we're seeing is a conversation shift away from speculation into utility, and I think what he was addressing there is how what, what Ripple has set themselves up to do from an infrastructure standpoint is that when governments and banks are ready to develop a central bank digital currency, Ripple offers the best product, and all of their products are built on the XRPL. James Wallace addressed this just last week. All of their private blockchains, all of their CBDC protocols are built on the XRPL. That's very, very exciting. Now, when we talk about the size of these pilot programs, they're very small, $6 billion, $400 million. These aren't going to change the price of XRP in the short term. But when you zoom out and you talk about utility being built and economies being built on top of blockchains, Johnny, the XRPL is in a great situation to capitalize on that. And he went on to expand in this video. He thinks that, first of all, XRP is going to reach the $5 to $10 range just based off liquidity during this bull run. But if utility enters the conversation and CBDCs are implemented, he was projecting much higher, double, triple digits. I don't want to get people, I don't want to set people up for failure. So I'm not saying those things can't happen. But if I come out here and say, oh, get ready for three digits, and then we go to two and nobody takes advantage of it, I'm setting them up for failure. So that's why I always talk in that direction. But what's your initial reaction to two things? The benefit that Ripple's going to create for XRP based on the CBDCs they're developing, as well as how XRP will do during this bull run, just based on the new liquidity. Well, first of all, they know that CBDCs are coming. They know that central banks are working on it. So, and that's where they want to play. That's where the technology has, you know, if you get in that door, that opens doors for other places. So that's the, that's where they want to play. And so, yes, it makes it, the benefits there is for them is going to be able to get in there, be able to get the technology tested trialed and then and then eventually hopefully built into adoption all right now that will then lead to the, the 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 demand and need for xrp and you talked about two and three digits of a price and the reality abs is that you know could that be possible i mean down the road when you're talking utility i mean let's say let's just go back to when you were in diapers in 1997 okay and 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 we're talking right now and we're seeing that the amazon price is you know a hundred dollars and we're sitting there saying, could this go to a thousand? And we're like, yeah, possibly, but who knows when? Well, guess what? Amazon didn't go to a thousand. It went to 3000. Okay. So could it happen? Yeah. It took 20 years. It took 20 years. 
So 20 years from now, could XRP or 10 years from now, could XRP be in the double or triple digits? If that utility happens and that adoption happens and all the things, you know, different things to drive demand happen, of course, of course it could be there. But are we going to sit here and tell you right now that, you know, we think next year XRP is going to be three digits? No, for, I'm not doing that. I don't think so. Um, do Gosh, I think and Thorpe did that? Remember the Wells Fargo lady or whatever her name yeah, was? Yeah, I mean, predictions are so first of all, nobody knows, right? That we're talking about nobody guys knows. like exactly so floor charts. Nobody knows, nobody knows. And if anybody tells you they know, guess what? You go, grab my meter, they're a rat snake weasel. If they tell you they know, nobody knows. If anybody tells like, you, like the digital asset investor says, I got an igloo in Georgia for you. Yeah, that's right. I got a meter for you. If you think you know the price of XRP and you know what it's going to be, you're going to go on the list. Or you're going on the meter because nobody knows. Well, there's maybe a few handful of people that maybe, but but anyway, not most most of the common, none of us know what's going to happen. Okay. So the reality is we're investing in a technology that we believe has upside potential, just like a bunch of people did in the in in the into intercom you know boom and bust cycles back in the early 90s and a bunch of people made a boatload of money and a bunch of people lost their money because you know they made bad bets and the reality is we're just betting on what we think will be the future technologies that are going to drive this market and at the end of the day apps we're going to win on some of our horses and we're going to lose on some of our horses but i like what ripple's done and i like what this man right here I like the position that he's put his company in to be. Successful. Well, Johnny, you said this. Nobody knows what's going to happen. If anyone knows what's going to happen, it could be Brad Garlinghouse. So That's we're right. going to listen to what Brad Garlinghouse has to say. And we got 582 live listeners here. Show us some love and smash that like button. Special thank you to Johnny K for making time for us on this Friday. Let's play this video and go and we'll discuss it. Here we go. My view is this is a technology. This is an asset class that is here to stay. We need to embrace it and understand that. And I think ultimately the U.S. typically gets it right. It just has taken a little while. My hope is that now that there is uh, at least clarity for Ripple, that XRP is not a security, that that opens up the U.S. market a little bit. Cross-border payments have been slow. They've been expensive. Using these technologies, we can dramatically reduce the cost and increase the speed and efficiency. Ripple. Johnny Crypto, floor is yours. Isn't that just like a mic drop moment when it comes to Brad Garlinghouse? He thinks this is going to be a opening up of the US market when it comes to Ripple products, but it's going to take for a closure in this case before we get that accessibility into America. We're going to play the end of that clip, but I just wanted to actually, you know what? I'm going to play this one more time for our listeners so it really hits home. Here we go. This is a technology. This is an asset class that is here to stay. We need to embrace it and understand that. And I think ultimately the US typically gets it right. It just has taken a little while. My hope is that now that there is uh, at least clarity for Ripple, that XRP is not a security, that that opens up the US market a little bit. Cross-border payments have been slow. They've been expensive. Using these technologies, we can dramatically reduce the cost and increase the speed and efficiency. Ripple only works with regulated financial institutions. You can't have anonymous transactions using Ripple's technology. I think anytime you have a new technology, crypto's kind of been around for 10 or almost 12 years, let's say, it's still new. I think in order for blockchain to thrive and for the largest population to benefit from these technologies, you can't have insular closed networks. Like along comes the internet to create interoperability. Crypto does that and can do that across many banks and to provide dramatic improvements to how we think about money movement and really any transaction. That's what we're talking about, guys. We're going from a speculation environment into a utility environment. And I know it's a difficult conversation. And Johnny, our live chat was talking about this yesterday. As you're addressing them right now, my friend, think about this. We talk about the uh, how often you say we are not in a utility moment yet. We are in a utility moment from this perspective. Start we are now moving. Exactly. We have to start 
of the implementation of utility, which is so awesome. And we show that curve all the time. And I'll even pull it up again for our listeners. But what did Brad Garlinghouse say? Now that XRP has an official ruling of not being a security, they have opened the doors for companies in the U.S. to now use this product. We're yet to see that happen because there's an ongoing litigation with the SEC and no bank is going to open themselves up to anyone who's who's in court against the SEC. But when this thing's closed in late April, possibly early summer, that could be a new day. And it's right in the midst of what I'm willing to call a bull market right now. So floor is yours. I got a couple other topics to address, but what are you thinking? Bull markets usually are speculation markets for a good chunk of it. Banks don't mess around with speculate. I mean, they want to play in speculation when they can, but <laughs> like you said, we're just so early. It's just so early that, I mean, some of the players can't even play in this space. I think we we showed you an article on this show, I think it was about maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, where you listed a bunch of banks that said, let us in. We want to play in crypto, and we can't. I mean, just to give you an example, like, it's so early that the word crypto abs is still a bad word. I mean, our bank account got shut down because it was we had the word crypto in our company. <laughs> and, Mer- and some of the things we're trying to do today with Merlin, because you know we're associated with crypto, we can't do certain things. That people don't understand yet. Most people just they sit here, they listen to these shows, they watch the thing, they think crypto is the norm. No, crypto is still a bad world in the business world. I we can't even do certain things right now, and we're in this space because we're associated with the word crypto. So that just shows me how early we still are in this technology abs. And as the world moves in the next one, two, three years, crypto will start to become the norm thanks to the Bitcoin ETF. And then from there, you're going to really see, thank you, True. I keep I could talk all day, that we're going to really truly see what happens. I mean, abs, people don't even realize they don't even realize. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. And you know what? Shout out to Jimmy who gave us these shirts and, and XRP Las Vegas. Guys, if you don't have your tickets, make sure you go to XRP Las Vegas and sign up for that conference. There are going to be great people there. Brad Kimes is, is hosting that thing. Merlin will be there too. Abs, but I'm excited about, you know, that's a, a huge opportunity where the community gets to come together. Well, John, here's the interesting. Sorry to jump in, but think about this. I'm going to see David Schwartz in person. And he yes, was, you are. We have, we have talked so much on Twitter. He doesn't even I know. I if he remembers me. Well, he's smarter. He, I guarantee he remembers me from a face perspective. But I want to see, because I'm going to approach him and be super polite. I want to see if he has anything to say. Oh, you're not going to like, I'm the guy. You know, you got to shake his head and say, I'm the guy that busts your For anyone top. who doesn't know, me and David Schwartz, and you can probably find this thread on Twitter, yeah. we debated the creation of the universe for hours on Twitter for no reason. I don't know why he took the time of day and gave me that time of day because i was willing to go as long as he was and he just kept responding to my tweets so pretty funny and i'm looking forward to meeting david in person so definitely check out xrp las vegas guys and johnny one of the things that we were talking about with ripple in particular is how you talked about uh etf centering the market i'm more excited or i'm at least more conscientious of tokenization making our listeners wealthy Mm. look at some of these articles that we just received earlier this week david schwartz said this real world asset tokenization will be the driving force of the blockchain economy with real estate, commodities, and treasuries and bonds leading to or, or being the leading use cases. We are going to see every stock, every bond be tokenized. And this is why I've been so focused on the Robbie Michnick connection to BlackRock. Because Robbie Michnick, former board of directors at Ripple, sorry, board of advisors, mm-hmm. he is now the head of digital assets at BlackRock. And he is actually publicly responsible for orange pilling Larry Fink. If you don't think their, their conversation extended beyond Bitcoin, 
I've got an igloo in Georgia, as the DA, I would say. You better sell it quick. The summer's coming, baby. That son of a bitch going to melt away. (laughs) When we talk about a lot of these connections, obviously Ethereum is first in line when it comes to these ETF discussions. And if our listeners want to have a warning sign, guys, this is a very serious discussion we have to have. As Jim Cramer endorsed the Ethereum ETF, if that's not a kiss of death for this project, look at our friend. <laughs> our friend Tony Edward right underneath. Looks like Genza will block the Ethereum ETF. So, I mean, here's what I would say about Jim. Jim is very, very accurate in the wrong direction. The fact that he's publicly endorsing the Ethereum ETF is genuinely a concern. What do you think, Johnny? No, sometimes Jim, listen, to have some credibility, they have to let him get it right sometimes. This will be one of the few times that he's right. Let's face it. We all know an Ethereum ETF is coming next. It's only logical. Listen, you think the big boys are in here to make money for you and me or to make money for themselves? I think they really care about me, man. Uh, you know what? You're absolutely right. They <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, I'm so proud of you. You nailed it. So obviously they don't, they, you know, they're here to make money and they're going to leverage every instrument possible to make money for themselves. And it's going to be, starts out with this ETF. Then you're, you know, Bitcoin. Then you're going to move to Ethereum ETF. Then you're going to move to a basket of ETF or individual ETFs. Then you'll see baskets of ETFs coming. Like, you know, you're going to have so many goddamn baskets. It's going to feel like Easter. Easter time. Like, hey, where are all the, look at all the Easter eggs. There'll be so many damn baskets, you know? But abs, I like, I like what our man Cousin Vinny says here. He says, David will remember you because he won't forget your hair. So <laughs> I guess you uh, David's got more interesting hair than me, but let's actually watch this video, Johnny. And I want you to continue what you were breaking down. Don't get distracted by this. I'm going to leave it on screen. But what my initial question was is because Larry Fink, who's obviously the CEO of BlackRock, was educated by a former Ripple board member. Do you think they've openly discussed Ripple? And that's why they're so hesitant to discuss it on a public platform. Uh, I mean, I, I think they probably discussed lots of things as you talked about in the crypto space i mean listen you're talking at the cream of the crop guys in this in the investment world okay you think they didn't talk about all the difference not only did they talk about it they probably have a five-year roadmap all planned out and ready to go okay so most most likely that's the scenario here and i'm sure ripple's probably one of them that's on there and that's why larry's like no i can't talk about it. no he said, oh, I can't talk about that because it's not my roadmap. You know, so my guess is that's probably what's happening there. Again, I'm speculating here. I'm guessing. But I know how organizations work. I work for, you know, uh, uh, I've worked for top, you know, 100, even top 50, Fortune 50 companies. And I know it's always about roadmaps. It's always in any space, whether it's technology, financial, that if you don't have a roadmap, you're even Merlin, we have a, we have a five-year roadmap, what we want to do for launching innovation, right? So the reality is the same things here. Larry's got a plan or BlackRock has a plan. Your boy, Robbie Michnick is the guy probably behind it because he's the head of digital assets. And it's good. That's a good thing. You know, we don't want a 70, 80 year old guy leading this thing. And it doesn't work that way. He's the CEO, right? They're bringing him ideas. They're feeding strategies to him. And he's just blessing off on them and having discussions. But your boy, Robbie's the guy that's going to be driving the future of the way BlackRock navigates the digital space. And I'd be shocked. I mean, where was he? He was a former Ripple. Was he a former board member of Ripple? You were saying, Uh, I forgot what his role was exactly in Ripple. Yeah, but. There's no question he's not bringing some of that knowledge with him, but I'm sure he didn't limit it there. He probably laid out the whole entire scope of the blockchain market, what it looks like, 
where they believe it's going, where they believe they can make money, what are the products they want to launch. Abs, I bet you the plan they got, if you could get your hands on that plan, whoo, that would be massive. I agree with you, Johnny. And we got 604 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button and check out these two corresponding articles to what Johnny just had to say. Ripple CEO would certainly welcome an XRP ETF. At least that's what was stated here. And this is what's interesting about these types of conversations, what they're not willing to say. And so we're going to focus on a couple of different aspects of this video right here. Johnny, I'm going to pause it when he talks about multiple, multiple crypto products being launched in the USA. Here we go. An XRP ETF then. We would certainly welcome it, and I think it's inevitable that there'll be, you know, multiple ETFs around different uh, tokens. And I think you'll even see ETFs potentially around baskets that also, I think, further diversify that risk. So how is that going to take place without an Ethereum product being launched, my friend, right? So it's just like Ethereum being launched is one step in this much larger process. And he said multiple baskets are going to be launched, like you stated. Payment baskets, gaming baskets, NFT baskets, AI baskets, smart contract baskets, layer ones, layer twos. Maybe I should be hired at Grayscale just to write these things down. There we go. <laughs> you know, Grayscale, <laughs> if you're looking for crypto experts, we're right here. Pleasure, guys. <laughs> but you know what, Abs? You just said two things that I absolutely love. Gaming and AI. My two favorite, favorite spaces in crypto besides tokenization because I think they're going to be massive areas. And I actually just got, you know, I just, I just sent you guys a couple of new AI plays that I'm in that I just found the very, very low caps, very high risk, but you know, risk to reward, but certainly I love this space. I encourage everybody go over to the AI, you know, go to what you got here, the crypto, you know, go to coin market cap, search the categories. You can see, look, look at the two hot fire ones right there. Gaming and AI click on those right there. Search through them, find some low cap ones, do some homework, do your research, and you can find some gems that are still in there that I think those two spaces, and nobody, anybody who watches the show knows I'm I'm a huge bull on gaming and AI. Those spaces are going to be massive, I think, over the next, you know, starting over the next one or two years and continuing on. And and for me, I've got a good chunk of my bags in those spaces because I just love what's going on there. And I think for the young kids. Like for all the, let's talk about this. I think this is important. The old goats, or I should be, no, sorry. I, I didn't mean to be a struggle. The, the older generation, they're going to like the boomers. So they're going to kind of get introduced to the space through Bitcoin, right? The younger kids are going to get introduced to this space through gaming. And then the kids like, you know, in the middle ranges, let's say between 25 and 40, those people are going to get exposed to it through either AI or tokenization, those kinds of things. So all three of those areas, you know, certain things that I think are going to be the doors, the gateways into this crypto space. But boy, when you get the kids involved, they're the future generation. And as they start to become earners, right? Because when you're 18 to 25, you're not an earner. Let's face it. You're just getting your career started. You're starting to make money. You don't have a lot of disposable income. When you start to get into your mid to late 20s and early 30s, that's where you're really starting to make money. And now you've got some disposable income and you're going to start to flood it into the space. And of course, the boomers, they've got you know a good chunk of the money or most of it, and they're going to come in through that way. So you can see three different massive gateways of how people are going to come into the space. But gaming for me, when, when the world figures out that you can sit home and play games, I was, I mean, I've been doing one-on-one -on -one consultations and I can't tell you how many parents tell me that their kids pretty much are gamers already. Most of the kids are gamers today. My generation, we weren't gamers. We didn't have games. We were outside playing in the woods. We were outdoors people, right? We played outside. We we, we made our own games outside in the woods. What's the wood? Yeah. Today's generation are gamers. And so 
the parents see the writing on the wall and they're like, oh my God, when the kids start figuring this out, you're just going to see a massive explosion in the gaming space, I think. But again, this is going to be, you know, it's going to take multiple years for this to continue to happen over time. Yes, Johnny. And I remember, uh, can you address the stone tablet age as well? Because this person said you must have written on tablets. Is that full, is that fake news or is that valid? Let me tell you, man, it's very hard to chisel you chisel on that stone. That <laughs> you know what that hurt. is? That's payback for the Cardano fake news. One of our listeners will mock you. There's no about. Cardano fake news yet. I'm just a new Cardano bull. I saw it in the chat. I was laughing. <laughs> it's funny because now every time I cover the Cardano news, guys, Cardano being integrated on Brave Browser was the article we broke down yesterday. But we're going to take you down an interesting rabbit hole. I'm not going to waste any time. Check out this interesting video that came out yesterday. So this is this is one of our friends, the man we were just talking about. Look at this and give me a live reaction here, Johnny. I don't know if you've seen this video here yet, but this person is in San Francisco. They see somebody riding down the right-hand side of the street on a scooter. He's got a great haircut. Very, ah. very, very, very. <laughs> Look who it is. Look at that. Oh, <laughs> yo, let me tell you, Dave's got some good balance on that thing, man. He's doing pretty good. Look at him. He's just cruising smoothly down that. Uh, right uh, I thought that was pretty funny, Johnny. I just wanted to point that out. I, I want a more I, serious note. Oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, Abs, you know, <laughs> talk about not showing your age. Arthur, relax, my friend. It's okay to show your age because I'm a young kid at heart. You're only as old as you feel, not as old as you were born. Don't ever forget that. And David just showed you that. Because he's definitely older than me, and my boy's riding the scooter to work. How about that? Good for you, David. Yeah, Johnny, just never use that excuse in a court of law, my friend. We got <laughs> 592 live listeners here. <laughs> Show us some love. Smash that like button. And I'm wishing everybody an amazing Friday as well. So this is something crazy that I found last night on Twitter. And, Johnny, I'm going to leave you up on the screen while I break this down. Think about this. So back on April 13th of 2021, that was the t that was the absolute peak of XRP's value. That's when the market touched $1.90 for XRP. And watch this. What did we get on that day? David Schwartz put out a tweet on April 13th telling people to take profits if they've made life-changing money. There's no such thing as a coincidence, just an unrecognized pattern. Luckily, we got the pattern recognition skills over here, Johnny. So this is what David tweeted out on April 13th at 10.15 p.m. He stated, this is probably going to be my least popular tweet ever, but if you have life-changing amounts of cryptocurrency, Please take some time and seriously consider selling some to reduce your risk and exposure. This is not any kind of prediction about what the market will do. That was literally the peak of the market. That was the peak of XRP's price chart. It's the highest since it's been uh, in 2021. What are you taking away from this, Johnny? I'm not going to add any more context. I feel like that kind of speaks for itself. Oh my God. Like I, I literally just, I, you know what, Dave, if you're listening, man, we need you as, <laughs> we need him as a Merlin spokesperson. Like literally, he literally told you guys what we've been telling you and he owns a company. He's telling you, or before, he's telling you, have an exit plan, take some profits, get out. It's a great time to kind of show that, you know, we have created a tool apps that helps people do this. Literally take profits. You know, now you're not going to get the top. Okay. You're not going to get the peak where number four is. But what you're trying to do is on the way from two to four, you're taking profits along the way up. That's what that's what we've done here at Merlin. And that's why, you know, click the link below the show, free trial. You get to actually create your plan. So as these things start to go up, you can take because abs, look what happens if you didn't take profits at number four. No, but here's my question, bro. David Schwartz tweeted out on April 13th at 10, 15 p.m. telling people to take profits. That was the exact peak of the price chart. Floor is yours. Well, yeah, so 
let's kind of compare, you know, from that perspective, it kind of, I compare like the morals or morality of people where your boy uh, Vitalik was telling, was bragging about how he took profits and sold at the top, but didn't tell his community to do that. And then here you got David Swartz. Kudos to Swartz. Take your hand, turn 100 degrees, pat yourself on the back, Swartz. He actually came out, Abs, and told his community in a tweet, hey, maybe you should sell some here. You know what I mean? Who does that? I mean, that is freaking awesome of him. Kudos for David for coming out and being honest to his community. I'll tell you what. Make sure you're following him because if he does that again in this bull run, you may want to sell. Because, he, you know, again, I'm not going to speculate that he's going to do it again. But the point being is kudos to him for doing that, Abs. Most people would not do that. And that just tells me about his character. At least it tells me, I don't know, David, from a hole in the wall. But at least it tells me a little bit about his character that he actually came out and told his community, hey, you know what? You may want to take some profits. Good for him. Let's put him. You know what? See, he. That's the kind of guy that lives in the green, right? He's not a rat snake weasel. That's a, oh, you can't see the green. He's a good dude, man. To come out and show your people, hey, you should take some profits. You aren't going to see very many CTOs or anybody in this industry do that. So kudos. Shout out to, to our man, David Swartz, for taking care of his community. I love that. Here would be my question, too, because like I, you had a good response. It was interesting. It's just not what I expected you to say. I found it shocking. Expect. The unexpected, my friend. I, I liked it. I'm just saying, I find it shocking that not only did he know where the top was, but he let us know, right? Well, I mean, I I mean just, that's why I'm, I'm not adding context. Well, here's the thing that's interesting, right? I, I hear what you're saying, like, oh, he knew where the top is. Let's play it out this way. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he just felt seeing all of the, you know, seeing the big pump and the big, maybe he just felt like, hey, you know what? This is probably a good time to sell some. Maybe it could have gone a little higher. But he just felt it was the right thing to do. And listen, at the end of the day, can we? I mean, I've sold the top out a couple things. By luck, it happens. You get lucky every once in a while. In fact, I tell everybody, it's always better to be lucky than good. So did David know when the top is? I, I don't know. Maybe he did. Uh, maybe he didn't. You're right. That is interesting. Does it surprise me? But if he does it again, then yes. I'm like, okay, this guy's got some. He's got some knowledge or tools or information that's allowing him to see what's going on to be able to know that, you know, we're over leveraged and he, maybe he does. Right. And so all I'm saying is keep an eye on him. It's another good indicator to know what's going on. I'm doing in the background is pulling up the price chart to show our listeners exactly where this tweet went out. So I want you to think about this, look at XRP's price chart and it only, the data only goes back to about uh, May of 2018 here. Mm. Look at where David's tweet was, Johnny. Come on. Is there well, much I know, more? I know, but, I'm not even I mean, telling you to go down the, consp- I'm just saying like, Here's what I find interesting. Vitalik, and you brought this up. Vitalik bragged about selling 70,000 Ethereum at the peak of the market. Mm. Uh, David Schwartz is publicly on Twitter telling us at $1.90, hey, take profit, right? Even if he just looked at the RSI and said, oh, it's telling me, the chances are so slim that he would catch the exact top for a multi-year bull run in bear market, right? It's like very, yeah. very, he could have sent that tweet out. Think about this. He could have sent that tweet out and I'm just going to zoom out on the price chart. Literally any other day in the last five of years of data here. But he chose the exact peak of the price chart to tell us, watch out and take profit. Now, here's where I think it can be valid for our listeners and maybe our community. If we get an indication like David, like this from David going forward, it has more validity to it. That's what I would say. So if David does tell us in the future, you know, I don't know if he says, get ready for a dump, get ready for a pump, whatever he says, 
I guess there's more validity to it now that we have the evidence. He literally called the exact market top on a five-year data period. Let's move forward, but why don't you close this out? I mean, just looking at the chart, it's not that unconceivable that he would call it out when it's busting through all time. Look at the chart in the data. You, if you go back, oh, you just hit the part I was going to point to. Go, keep going. Oh, but back. I started this off, and you missed this. I said this is his manipulated data because it only goes to 2018. XRP's all-time high is created in 2017. Yeah, we don't know what that part chart looks like, but the reality is when you look no, at we, where, it's, where when you look at where it's at at this spot, you know where we dollar eighty, dollar ninety. Um, it was, it had definitely made a massive pump at that point. It's not inconceivable to come out and say, Hey, you know, maybe you might want to take some profit. It was at, at that, at that time, it's all time high for this bull market that we were living in. So I don't find it that inconceivable. You, you know, it was what 10 X what it was after the market, uh, after the, uh, the, what do you call it? The lawsuit. Okay. Yep. And we kind of know historically when you look at the other cryptos that were going off, 10X is kind of where that's the four point, what we call the 4.23 extension. And at that point, it's not. So my point to you is it's not that it's not that it doesn't shock me at 10X. He was saying to sell. If you told me at 4X or 5X or 6X, I'd be like, oh, that's interesting. But we kind of know that most of these bull runs apps get you about a 10X and they're exhausted. Go look at a lot of them. So that's why I say to you, okay, you know what? It was actually over 10x because XIP has been almost 17 cents, and now you're at a dollar 80. Not inconceivable him to look at it and say, you know what? We're over the 10x thing. This is probably a good time to sell. And so that's how I'm looking at it is over 10x. Yeah, I might tell people to start telling when it's over 10x too. That just seems like a logical thing to do. No, you're on mute, my friend. Sorry about that, Johnny. Uh, I got stuck in the background there. What I was doing is I was pulling up this article because earlier in the episode, we addressed how Vanguard CEO would be stepping down. $7.2 trillion in assets under management this company has. And this man, Tim Buckley, the CEO, is stepping down. A lot of people are saying it's because of the frustration that customers have. They've been receiving thousands of phone calls because they aren't allowed access to Bitcoin. And so that could be the reason. The reason I wanted to bring this story up is because think about this. Bitcoin has become so profitable and become so common that now massive trillion dollar company CEOs are stepping down for their lack of endorsement. Maybe you can just give me some brief comments and then we'll close it out with a different article. on Yeah, HR. I mean, listen, who knows behind the scenes what's really going on? Why Vanguard banned it? You know, is he catching some grief for that? Yeah, probably. I mean, that was that was certainly a dumbass move to sit there and know, you know, you knew all your competitors were going there. Why Vanguard decided... To block it or ban it, I mean, ah, bad, bad move, and and deserves to be. You know, you should you should definitely you know <laughs> lose your job if you didn't see the writing on the wall for that one. I mean, you get the hell out, retire, go do something else. So, do you think boat. you think there's a relationship there? You think that he stepped down because of his lack of like? Is that a fair correlation, or are people just jumping? No, people are jumping. I mean, you could CEO stepped down for so many reasons. You know, this guy might be, you know, got a bunch of money in the bank and he's tired. Maybe they view him as not the guy to lead them in the future because of maybe the digital, you know, um, revolution that's coming, if you will. And so they're like, you know, it, maybe it's because he did some poor, you know, poorly on other things. Maybe he's just done. He's tired. Who knows, dude? There's so many reasons why a CEO can step down. You can't, you could speculate. You certainly can say, hey, you know, the world is moving toward this new asset, what, what you know, Kevin O'Leary calls the 12th asset, okay, of the world. 
um, in, 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 or I, I mean, asset class. And, and maybe they feel that he's not ready to lead them into that. That could be one reason. And he proved it by banning Bitcoin when his competitors went forward with it. So, you know, certainly it's, it's definitely this. I will say this, and then we'll end it at that uh, for this topic. It's certainly plausible to think that that could have been a good reason why they said, hey, you know what? You got to go. Think about this too. The fact that he was willing to die on that hill, it's supply and demand, guys. You don't have to be a, a brilliant analyst. Once you see the biggest companies moving into the market, it's going to increase in price. Johnny, really quickly, this is our last article for today. The Digital Euro Association partners with the HBAR Foundation to boost its understanding of CBDCs and stablecoins. Here's what we got going on. The collaboration is being framed as significant movement in the digital currency landscape. With integration of HBAR, they are thrilled to announce that the HBAR Foundation, whose work in fostering digital money ecosystems, aligns with our vision in the future of money. This collaboration emphasizes our commitment to exploring and advocating for technologies that ensure the digital ecosystem is secure, efficient, and promotes the public good. Last statement here we have from the HBAR CEO. He lauded the collaboration, which he said is in line with the organization's goal of not of building not just sustainable digital future, but also an innovative one. Hedera is uniquely positioned to contribute to the expansion of the digital currency ecosystem. We're excited to collaborate with the uh, Digital Euro Association and con contribute to the process of digital currencies. So very exciting way to end the episode, Johnny. Any thoughts while I pull up our user poll? Yeah, uh, actually, there's a better exciting way to stick around to the end to the dance party. I just don't forget that part. But uh, yeah, I certainly think... Um, that H, I love H bar, man. It definitely has so much potential there, and what it's doing. Again, so many technologies competing for the same space. So you, you, you know, it's one of those things where you just look at these spaces and say, where, where, where do I want to deploy? You know, some of my 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 cash as I'm investing in this space. That's definitely something I tell all new people: take a look at H bar, check a look at what they're trying to do, the partnerships, the collaborations that they've got going on there, because they certainly, I think, have a place that to potentially play in the future. Um, again, hard to say where that ultimately is going to end up playing, but I like the potential that they bring to the table, my friend. Oh, and you're I agree with you, Johnny, because one of the things that I love about HBAR is the collaborations and the governance network. This is the user poll that we asked our live chat today. Which asset will have the highest return on investment in 2024? XRP, 50% of people voted for them. Other 20 top 20 altcoins got 21% of the vote. Bitcoin, Ethereum got 14% and Solana got 13%. Johnny Crypto, what are your thoughts on those results? Yeah, very, very interesting results there. Um, you know, when, when you talk about, I mean, it's, it's interesting because Bitcoin, Ethereum are so high. You know, we know that they're looking at maybe a two or three X. Solana has pumped so much already that it's hard to expect it to do much more than the two or three X from where it is today at $130. If you look at where it was $8, you know, it, it's a hands down that that's, that's your big one. Uh, so, you know, I kind of look at it as it makes sense that the, you know, the altcoins are going to be the ones where you're going to see the largest, the largest gains. I, I'm, I'm surprised only 50%. I thought it would have been a bigger number to be honest with you. Abs. And you're on mute, my friend. We're going to close out today's show with a special appearance from Johnny Crypto. Johnny Crypto, he requested the dance party. We're just delivering this morning and we got 540 live listeners. Play the audio. We can't hear no, the audio. No shot, buddy. We got 400, 540 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And here we go. Joe Rogan. <laughs> oh. <laughs>
So that was Johnny Crypto as Bitcoin's price chart was pumping this week. And we only got 20 seconds here, guys. I want to give a special thank you to Johnny Crypto for joining us today. We got 537 live listeners joining us. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We love you guys. We're wishing you an amazing weekend. And we'll see you in 72 hours. Like we always say, Warriors, rise.